Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Kingston Curator here on 101.9 FM CFRC. My name is Lauren Tucker, and I'm very happy to be your host, bringing you arts headlines, interviews, and our live music calendar all throughout the summer. This week, we're bringing you live music updates featuring Jerry Legere of Jerry Legere and the Situation ahead of the Limestone City Blues Festival, as well as news from London, Ontario metal band Atria playing the Broom Factory this past Wednesday, fresh off the release of their new EP, Ground Zero. Coming up first on this episode, Dr. Laura Murray from the Bell Park Project gives us an inside look at the upcoming art and research event from this collective, entitled Unearthed. We'll have all that, plus your live music calendar coming up, but first, here are your headlines for the week. The Union Gallery has an open call for Queen's University student artists through to October 16th for presentation in the Union Gallery main space in the winter of 2024. If you're a Queen's student with an arts piece you'd like to submit for consideration for display at the Union Gallery, you can get in touch with them at ugallery.director at queensu.ca with a statement of interest and examples of your creative works. More information about the call and how to submit is available at uniongallery.queensu.ca. Also at the Union Gallery, two new exhibitions will be premiering on August 29th and running until November 25th. In the main space, you'll be able to visit At the Buffet by Maddie Lecheck and Raquel Rowe. This duo places an emphasis when collaborating on food, fun, and experimentation. With a shared interest of food as a medium within performance art, the two experiment frequently with taste, touch, and texture. This all-you-can-eat exhibition highlights key moments in their collaborative journey thus far and focuses on the materiality of food by emphasizing color and form. And in the project room, Wane Kina, Should I Tell or No, is curated by Mevish Rather and will feature work from Kashmiri artists exploring alternative and experimental forms of filmmaking that use low-resolution technology that promotes sustainability. For more on these upcoming exhibitions and the call, visit uniongallery.queensu.ca. The Kingston School of Art has released a call to visual artists from the city of Kingston, Loyalist Township, Wolf Island, Frontenac Islands, as well as the Frontenac, Leeds, Grenville, and Hastings counties for their sixth annual juried art exhibition and sale. This show will include up to 65 artworks from submissions, finalized by a selection committee of professional artists, and over $1,500 in prizes will be awarded on October 7th's opening exhibition. This call closes on September 10th. The Kingston School of Art has announced their lineup of fall adult classes ranging across mediums and skill levels. Starting in September, the school will be presenting classes such as Inspired by the Masters, a multimedia class focusing on the techniques of Emily Carr, Norval Morisot, Keith Herring, Maude Lewis, and Sybil Andrews. Available as well as figure drawings, all sorts of drawing, creative sketchbook club, realistic and expressive portraits in charcoal, and portrait painting with a limited palette classes. For more on the Kingston School of Art, these classes and the open call for artists, visit ksoa.info. And all throughout August at the Screening Room, you can catch the classic cinema lineup showing favorite features like Wet Hot American Summer, The Lion King, The Searchers, Heat, Thelma and Louise, Some Like It Hot, and 1979's The Muppet Movie. Plus, visit on certain days for $7 family matinees. For more special events, showtimes, and tickets at the Screening Room, you can visit ScreeningRoomKingston.com. You can catch the last Summer Swing Monday from 7 to 10 p.m. with the Queen Swing Dance Club at the Spire this coming Monday. Each night kicks off with a beginner-friendly dance lesson taught by experienced dancers, and then you can stick around for two hours of open social dance and practice time. Queen's affiliation is not a prerequisite, and all are welcome. Tickets are $5 for students and $10 for community members, and you can visit queensdc.ca to find their Eventbrite link and register now. Every summer Tuesday in Springer Market Square at 6.30 p.m., you can attend the free Salsa in the Square lesson and social dance. Instructors will be able to guide you through learning the dance and having fun. No tickets are required, and all you need to bring to this dance floor is your energy, spirit, and dance shoes. Again, that's Salsa in the Square every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. at Springer Market Square. Minotaur Games and Gifts has opened a call to artists for another Minotaur group art show, this time with the theme Mutation. Artists are also permitted to sell prints with some sizing restrictions, and the Minotaur staff is happy to provide guidance on selling prints if you have not before. The deadline for submissions to this art show is September 21st, and some terms and conditions of acceptance do apply, so visit minotaurgifts.com for more information. 
Don't forget every Sunday that you can stop by Market Square for the Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Market, featuring a variety of vendors, each with their own unique touch. For handcrafted items, visual art, clothing, jewelry, home decor, and traditional indigenous dishes from Cadu's First Foods, you can stop by Sundays from 10 to 3 p.m. through to September 24th. The Bell Park Project has recently released news of their latest project, Unearthed. This new exhibition will be a walk in the park with a twist, a week-long series of artistic installations, conversations, and experiments that seek to reveal and reimagine some of the stories of Bell Park. Running from August 26th to 30th, artists will activate certain spaces in the park on various days through music, geocaching, and temporary art installations. As well, an exhibition in the Art and Media Lab in the Isabel Bader Center will be running concurrently. Together, the art in the gallery and in the park seeks to suggest ways of engaging with a rich space with an uncertain future. Here's Dr. Laura, Mur- Here's Dr. Laura Murray from the Bell Park Project giving us an inside look at what's next. Listeners, we are here with Dr. Laura Murray, professor in English and co-director of the Cultural Studies Program here at Queen's University and co-lead on the Bell Park Project, ahead of the project's newest event, Unearthed, running from August 26th to 30th. Welcome to the Kingston Curator. Thank you. So really excited to be featuring this kind of, we were talking a little bit before about the conjunction between research and arts event that's happening here. But I thought to start off, for those listeners who may not be as familiar, could you talk to us a little bit about Bell Park itself and the Bell Park Project and why this sort of came about in the first place as a research project and collective? Yeah, thanks. Well, Bell Park is very centrally located in Kingston on Montreal Street, but oddly enough, a lot of people don't really know where it is or haven't been there or haven't spent a lot of time there. Um, but uh, to me, it's always been interesting. I've been researching the waterfront area and working class histories and colonial histories of Kingston for quite some time. And Bell Park was a wetland for, I guess, thousands of years. Then uh, at some point in the 20th century, it gets made into a dump. And then in 1973, they turn it into a park. And it was a a golf course as well. And uh, then as that waned, uh, there was a bunch of planning process that the city did about what its new future would be. And then the pandemic came. And uh, it's a big park. It's 46 hectares. There's this big triangle, and it reaches out into the river, and at the end of it is Bell Island, which is sacred indigenous space, burial space. When the pandemic came, you probably remember this, uh, and it continues to this day, uh, unhoused people have been living in that space. Right. And, you know, it's kind of an available space. Uh, it, it, it makes sense that it's close to downtown, and... Uh, they don't have other places to live, so uh, that that will likely continue. Um, so there's there's all this current complexity and historical complexity, and it's also both an ugly place and a beautiful place. It's got all these different dimensions. I uh, have been taking the lead on this project with Dorit Naaman, who is originally from Jerusalem and has done a lot of work on the hidden histories of Jerusalem, in particular Palestinian histories, histories of neighborhoods from which Palestinian folks were kicked out. And people now living there don't really know that history. Mm -hmm. So we both have this idea of how can we help people see things that they won't ordinarily see in their places that they just live in that are ordinary to them? And we're also working with Erin Sutherland, who did her uh, PhD at Queen's in uh, cultural studies. And she's a Métis settler scholar uh, curator. She curated for her PhD project um, a memorable, really memorable series of performances called Talking Back to Johnny Mac. That was in 2015, and this was at the time when the Sir Johnny MacDonald statue was still presiding in in City Park, and what she did is she invited a bunch of performance artists, um, a number of them Indigenous, to interact with that statue as a kind of critique and drawing attention to the, the problematic histories, the violent histories that it represented. So we invited her to come back with us um, uh, on this project as well because we're really interested in how art can be used to just dislodge people's assumptions and, mm-hmm. and get them thinking about things that they might have taken for granted. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's so interesting how folks' research interests will kind of converge on a singular point when you get to talking with them. Can you talk to us maybe about some of the past events that the Bell Park Project has been able to put on and maybe what you feel the impact of the project thus far has been in the community? 
Well, you know, we did start at the beginning of pandemic, but we spent that time walking in the park, <laughs> getting to know it, learning a lot from people who knew more about it than we did. We interviewed, I don't know, people working in public health. We uh, worked a lot with Hilbert Buse, who um, is a naturalist who knows a lot about Bell Island, but also Bell Park. And uh, he helped us do a bio blitz last year in the park to identify all the species of birds and bugs and plants and so on that are there. We've learned a lot from him. Um, we've learned from our colleagues in the sciences uh, at Queen's who understand the natural history and the geology of the space. We've talked to lawyers who worked on legal cases concerning the park. So we've done all that, you know, kind of what we could to find out about things, but um, haven't really found ourselves too much in a, in a space to share, partly because of the pandemic. But mm -hmm. as I said, last year we did this bio blitz and we did do early on on, uh, a film uh, about the totem pole in the park. Okay. And it's a small film. It was made entirely over Zoom. That's what we could do at the time, right? So visually, it's a combination of people's faces on Zoom, and um, we did a 24-hour shot, a still kind of, a, a, as, the, as the sky moved around, or us, as we moved around the sky, of, of the pole standing there. So that, that pole was carved by Indigenous members of the Native Brotherhood in Joyceville Institution in 1973. Oh, okay. And that film we made sort of early on just as a way to ask questions about the pole and what it might mean and what it means to different people. It wasn't made by Northwest Coast people, so it's not a totem pole in that tradition, mm -hmm. but it was made by Indigenous folks, uh, and in this particular situation of being incarcerated, it was made from a log that was brought all the way from BC. Okay. So it's a complicated history. So we made a film there. That's on our website. People can look at that, and we're continuing to do. We're we're starting a new film concerning the totem pole as well. It it really like the park itself. It has so many different dimensions to it. People often don't see it. They don't know what it is. There's no label on it. Uh, but then you realize that it connects to these really profound histories of Kingston, the history of the prisons here, uh, history of colonial dispossession, uh, and also of colonial, uh, of indigenous creativity and survival mm -hmm. and self-assertion. So all of these things can kind of be seen through the pole if you stop to think about it and yeah. talk with people about it. Different dimensions that were able to kind of be explored through the context of the park, it sounds like, which is super cool. Now, in working on it personally, is there anything especially interesting or valuable you feel you've taken away from your time researching in and around Bell Park? Well, I've always felt that maybe it's just because I'm always aware that there's only so much I can do as an individual, but... I've always felt that if you can look at a small place really closely, then you can learn a lot about the broader world. Yeah. I am not a generalist. I like to really know, you know, spend time in one place. But the more I do that, the more I think, for example, now I think about the fact that almost all cities, and especially their shorelines, are basically usually built on wetlands that mm -hmm. have been filled with garbage, <laughs> which we use the word fill for because it sounds nicer. Yeah. And then you have these kind of what, you know, most most water edges are gradual. Yeah. I mean there are some cliffs in the world and so on, but a lot of a lot of them are there's wetlands there and in order to make cities you know, have good ports that are going to work f to have industry at the and then have a place to put the garbage too, like people just dump it into the water. So, and I've been really inspired by, um, I'm, I'm a settler scholar myself, but I've been really inspired and informed by scholarship of people like Madeline Huaitung and Leanne Simpson, um, and also uh, David Mowat, who is uh, formerly the chief of Alderville First Nation. He's on our research team, okay. and he's, he's a wild rice har harvester. So from learning from these people about the centrality of wetlands to the health of the world, mm -hmm. and also the real richness of wetlands even as a kind of almost a philosophical inspiration because they change with the seasons they change with the years they you can walk on them in the winter but in the summer you might be able to get through them in a canoe but otherwise they're not made for humans yeah humans often think of them oh there's too many bugs in there you know whatever 
but it's it's really neat to put at the center of your thinking a place that clearly is not made for humans. It is really neat, yeah, to kind of remove the human centrality of this element. That's a really valuable insight. And I was hoping to maybe pivot at this point to talk specifically about this upcoming project, Unearthed. Can you tell us more about the idea behind this particular project and how it came to be? Yeah, um, well, as I said, one of our team members, Erin Sutherland, is a curator, so we were excited to have her on the team to think about what we could do, bringing some artists together to uh, illuminate this space. We're also lucky because Dorit and I work in the graduate program in cultural studies at mm-hmm. Queen's, and Dorit also works in the Screen Cultures and Curatorial Studies graduate okay. program. So we have a really a lot of awesome students in those programs, many of them already professional artists who've come back to school, and we were able to offer through this grant some graduate research fellowships to five different students, and they're all engaging with this space in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, for example, Evelyn Perry, who will be singing uh, some material that, uh, that she's created in the context of, of the park. Vince Ha has um, got a project that is partly about the willows in the park, because okay. he's from Vietnam, where willows are very important. And, you know, in, in Western cultures, too, there's big symbolism about willows often to do with death or to do with memory. And um, also he's interested in the question of shelter and what constitutes shelter. And so his art piece, uh, you know, you'd have to interview him to get all the details, but his, <laughs> his art piece is reflecting on the different meanings or the overlaps between meanings of these willows in, in Vietnam and here, and also reflecting on uh, unhoused people who are living in the park and this whole question about shelter and housing. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's all these different approaches that they'll be taking and... Uh, we're happy that we're able to present that. Yeah, that sounds like there's going to be a lot of different mediums and different ideas to be able to check out with all of these different folks contributing. Is there something you would say about Unearth that makes it unique to perhaps other things Bell Park Project has done or anything that you've seen around the local area before? I guess one thing that's unusual about it is that people just simply don't go to Bell Park very much. So yeah. we're inviting them to go there. So it's not a, something that would happen in City Park or in, I don't know, Breakwater Park or yeah. these places. <laughs> we're, we're inviting a number of people probably won't have been there before and, um, and won't have engaged too much with the, with the place. And it's a strange place to put art because we can't really supervise it. We don't know, you know, how long it'll last or whatever. But yeah. this is a, it, it's, it's a bit of an experiment, the whole thing. Yeah, it's really not in a gallery. You know, people yeah. will be walking. And we're, we're, you know, we have some concerns about that. We have to figure out, oh, what does it do if it rains? Or what does it do? What ha-, You know, pe- some people may not be able to make their way on this path to get to the musical performance. So what kind of, how can we help them get there by the road? And we have to talk to the city. We've had, that's been a big challenge with us, to to, to get permits from the city about yeah. all this activity. And they're a bit antsy about Good it. Good on so, them. You know, they're, 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 they have certain kind of expectations about... Um, rewilding the park so you know there's a lot of negotiation about this and insurance and this and that um so that's been an extra challenge but it's all kind of part of it I guess we're we're all into process and seeing what happens and we hope that the people who visit will find it really cool but it's not the kind of thing that's handed to you on a platter. I'm sure that some of the things will just seem a bit perplexing to people. Yeah. But I know that there will, people will talk with each other. They will have an experience that will make them think about this space. And the city did have these plans to, you know, quite control the park in future. Yes. And right now I think they haven't got the budget to go that way. Um and maybe it'll cause people to have some discussions about different kinds of parks, you know, that serve different kinds of people and plants and purposes. And what maybe have second thoughts about what the future of this one might be. Yeah. In talking about that and encouraging folks to be able to talk to each other, whereas the message of the art might not be immediately clear, it sounds like there's a lot of encouraging dialogue about these spaces and you talk about how much of this team is a process would you say that dialogue is a good way to perhaps sum up what's going on with this project 
Yeah, I think sometimes when I go to see art, um, I'm a musician, but I don't specialize in visual art. And right. if I go to a gallery, sometimes I might just be mystified. And sometimes that's a positive experience. And sometimes, frankly, it isn't because yeah. it makes me feel stupid or confused <laughs> or something like that. But I think in these settings, because they are going to be really informal, too, we really yeah. we're sure that people will chat with each other and because we have held other events in the park we have a certain kind of a following there and then other people will come from other places so um, I, I think that if people both feel the complexity but also have some new ideas and and uh, have some conversations with people that may make the whole experience um, less mystifying than if you're just by yourself in a solo gallery in the dark for sure for sure fostering a little bit of community even with that so awesome i just had one kind of last question for you in encouraging people to come and check this out both at as i understand at bell park and kind of in conjunction with the isabel bader center how do you recommend people get kind of the most out of this event or how do you recommend that they participate in it if they're interested? Sure. Well, there's three main events. There's mm-hmm. other times you can visit either the gallery, which is at the Isabel Bader, or you can go to the park. Um, and at certain hours, when we don't have actual activities, we will have information and volunteers available in those places. But there are three main events. The first one is uh, on the 26th, Saturday, and that's at 3 o'clock, and it will be an opening with uh, Dave Mowat from Alderville with the uh, spoken word poet Billy the Kid. The artist will introduce themselves, and then basically we're all going to go on a walk uh, together. (laughs) And uh, we'll see uh, Noah Scheinman's piece, which speaks to the golf course, and uh, and Vince Haas, and uh, we have some geo... One of the art pieces... uh, Uh, is using geocaching as a method. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so we'll have some um, GPS devices people can pick up. And um, so so that, you know, that's a collective experience. Mm -hmm. Then uh, on the 28th, there's a a panel discussion at the AML, at the Isabel, and that's maybe a little bit more formal. It's going to be artists talking about their work. We're all going to talk about what... what, uh, brought us to this and what the experience has been and uh, I'm going to read some of my poetry actually oh, awesome. and this is the first time that I've written poetry and it will be the first time I've shared poetry in public that's the 28th and then I really should mention the 30th because this is pretty exciting I haven't mentioned yet Cheryl Lirundel she's a really established um, Cree artist and she's worked both in prison settings and various indigenous settings and around the world And she is going to be uh, doing a performance in which she sings to the pole. And she's really keen to have, especially Indigenous community members, be participating, uh, especially contributing Indigenous languages to, I don't know, reach out in the direction of this pole, which we don't, you know, she doesn't, I don't think anybody quite can imagine what it's thinking. It's been standing there for 50 years. Yeah. And uh, so she's going to do a performance, and she's really charismatic and and improvisatory, and it'll be a really beautiful evening. That's also going to be a full moon that night. Um, so I, I, that's, you know, there's really, those are, those three events are quite different. So mm-hmm. it really depends what pe- turns somebody's crank, yeah. which one they <laughs> want to come to, or they could come to the opening and then choose another one later in the in yeah. The, take a look and kind of see what you might be interested in from there. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I think this sounds like a really unique opportunity for folks to be able to come out and see all of this kind of research and art happening at the same time. Listeners, Unearth, the latest event by the Bell Park Project, will be running in Bell Park and in conjunction with the Isabel Art and Media Lab from August 26th to 30th. For more on this event and the Bell Park Project, you can visit bellparkproject.com and thank you again so much for being here. Thank you. For today's live music lineup, I'll be featuring shows from fantastic local and visiting acts fast approaching to Kingston. Keep it locked because you won't want to miss these details. Tonight, August 25th at Juniper Cafe from 6 to 8 p.m., catch Kingston folk rock group Wheelie Nilly. This is a free all-ages show, so be sure to stop by for a bit of cosmic folk rock in your live music rotation. For more, visit the listing on kingstonlive.ca. 
Also tonight, August 25th at 7 p.m., Colleen Brown and Sarah Hilt will be playing a free show at Hotel Wolf Island. Both are Canadian artists in the folk sphere known for their lyricism and songwriting ability, so be sure to stop by to this 19-plus show for an evening of storytelling through song. Also at Hotel Wolf Island on August 26th, Wolf Island Records presents a showcase of four singer-songwriters who have made records right on the island. Suzanne Jarvis, Rocky Roberts, Chris Brown, and Stephen Stanley. This is also a free 19-plus show running from 6 to 10 p.m. And for more on these gigs, visit HotelWolfIsland.com. On August 26th, five-piece Montreal band Red Fox will be bringing their indie folk sound to Chaffee's Lock Hall. Tickets are $35 at the OnStageDirect.com listing or $40 at the door, and doors are at 7.30 for this 8 p.m. show. This and every Tuesday at the RCHA Club, you can stop by for Tuesday Happy Hour Jam with Tom Savage. There's no cover to this show, and you never know who might stop by. The music kicks off at 4 p.m. and runs until 7 p.m., so stop by to make the weekday feel like a weekend. For more on these shows and all of the awesome gigs headed to Kingston this week, you can visit kingstonlive.ca. The Limestone City Blues Festival has officially hit downtown Kingston running from August 24th to 27th. This year's lineup includes Jeremy Albino, Roosevelt Collier, Durham County Poets, Jerry Legier and the Situation, Bywater Call, Rob Lutz, and Mallinfont and Medford. The festival is in its 26th year and includes two main stage events in Springer Market Square, as well as shows in Confederation Park and in clubs across downtown Kingston. This year will also include a food vendor and licensed area. Here's Jerry Legier of Jerry Legier and the Situation on the Kingston Curator chatting about the latest single and the upcoming performance at the festival. We are here with Toronto-based singer-songwriter and music scene staple Jerry Legier of Jerry Legier and the Situation, just ahead of this group's performance at the Limestone City Blues Festival this weekend on Saturday, August 26th. How are you doing, Jerry? Welcome to the Kingston Curator. Oh yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's really exciting to have an artist from the Blues Festival coming up since this is such kind of a staple for the Kingston music scene and we're really excited to welcome you here to that main stage event on the 26th. But I thought to start off at something maybe a little bit more recent, some kind of exciting news, I thought it would be a great opportunity to chat about the fact that you have just put out this new single three hours ahead of midnight and it's been announced that this is off an upcoming album. So congratulations on that first of all but I was wondering it's always kind of interesting to me and I think hopefully to our listeners to know what makes a single out of a song from a particular album for that artist what thought for you goes into representing an upcoming album with a single release well uh, with that particular song uh it was also just my personal favorite which isn't always you know the the radio single or or you know because everyone has their own uh opinions and tastes and stuff but i don't know from the moment i i uh wrote that song there's just something very special about it and uh i thought it would be a great um first uh glimpse into the record for people because it's the sound of it and and uh the world that it it lives in it, it, it represents the whole record pretty well so I think like, you know, the next uh, track that we release or, you know, we're getting closer to actually putting the album out. I think it will, uh, the listeners who have heard the first single will be more prepared for for what they're going to continue to hear and eventually hear when the, the album comes out. So, yeah, I think it's about finding something that is representative of, of uh of, of you know like what you're going for for the record yeah absolutely and kind of speaking of what you're going for with this particular record or maybe what's gone into it um what's the process of making this album been like for you thus far anything you'd like to highlight I actually had um we recorded it in January and and I thought I was going to make a, a completely different album and uh and then an opportunity came about to work with uh uh, this guy Mark Howard, um, you know, through a friend who was also uh, working with him, uh, Kate Boothman, and uh, 
you know, that opportunity came about and I, I love a lot of the records that he's been part of, either uh, recording and mixing or, or also producing on top of that. Uh, so I, I, that changed the, the, the songs that we were going to do and I, and also the approach to it, which was very, uh, just having like a certain mood and vibe and lots of atmosphere and space and uh, I just knew it was going to live in a certain dimension uh, with Mark's track record and also just with my personal taste because like I, I like I said you know I love a lot of the records that, that he's been a big part of and um, and there's also a lot of like 50s doo-wop uh, rock and roll um, a lot of those kind of records that that have been very close to me since I was a little kid you know with these big these big echoes and and you know they seem kind of to be in a, a dream you know they're not as tangible as as uh, some of the records that I've made where you know some of it sounds like I'm in the room with you when you throw the record on I wanted to make something that uh, felt like you couldn't really reach out and grab it and hold on to it it's kind of like a fleeting thing no, that's a really interesting uh, approach to creating an album and trying something a little bit different along with the help of all those folks that you mentioned. So thank you for sharing that. I was wondering if we could maybe pivot a little bit more to touring and live shows at this point because of the upcoming festival, but also judging by your website, it looks like there's been a lot lately in terms of shows for you. It looks like there's been some Europe and UK shows this year, but also now you've been back to tour Ontario. Can you speak at all to what it's been like to tour so broadly and maybe what you feel you get out of it as an artist? Yeah, well, it's just, it's such a big part of uh, what I do, you know, um, with the kind of music that I make and, and, you know, the career path I've taken, it's really important for me to get out there and, and, uh, you know, uh, bring what I do to uh, so many people. Uh, or as sorry, I should say as as many people as I you know possibly can, um, and yeah, uh, and also live performances, you know, they're always different, and and that's what I really like about them. You know, I don't really study what we've recorded and try to do it as close as possible. Like I, I like the music to evolve, and I like to you know react to my surroundings and if I'm playing with the band you know react to what they're doing just like they're reacting to if I change something up and uh and yeah as far as like traveling abroad I mean that's been really great for me you know I've, I've sort of developed like a cult following and and you know different countries overseas and uh and I mean it just feels great it just it's just part of the whole experience and and what I do and and uh, uh, yeah had a great spring solo tour in Europe in the UK which was my first solo tour over there and uh, and the band and I are going back in in uh, late fall for some festivals and some shows and there's being more added that we'll be announcing and uh, yeah I just love it I mean I'm one of those that I love being on the road, you know, I mean, the travel can be a drag for sure, but it's really worth it when you have some great shows, you know, and, and, uh, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so great to hear because we also hear have heard over the course of the summer from a lot of musicians on this program how important live performance is to what they do. Are you one of those artists that would have taken uh, songs that are coming up on this album and road tested them out kind of at these gigs prior to to see how they're landing? Is that a part of the process for you? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, so we announced the new record Dawnlands on the 23rd and that night we thought it would be cool instead of having like a little listening party for the record we thought we would uh perform it at like a little bar uh just perform it start to finish and uh on top of that i started the night off with uh with some acoustic numbers of of songs that i've written 
just in the last few months, you know, like even more new than this record that hasn't, you know, come out yet. And that that's really, yeah, it's important because it's not only like kind of scoping out the reaction from the audience. It's also just good for me. It's like my own reaction to the song because it, it, it just changes it when you're not, you know, you're no longer just in your room, in your place, you know, playing the songs all by your lonesome, you know, now you've, you've made them public with a certain amount of people. And, and uh, so, you know, it, it might make me more in tune and aware of, of, of uh, different parts of the songs uh, than before. So, yeah, I mean, we tend to do that. Uh, I mean, at the, the festival in Kingston, we'll do, uh, uh, well, we'll play the single, Three hours ahead of midnight, but we'll do a couple other songs that that's uh, are on the upcoming album. So uh, I mean, that's a bit of road testing there too. Yeah, no, that's so great to hear about kind of the plan now for the Kingston gig this weekend. I was going to kind of ask you about what the plan was going in, so so great to hear. But I was also wondering, do you have any kind of particular feeling heading into the festival this weekend? Have you worked with any of the acts that you'll be playing with at the festival before? Well, I mean, first, we're, we're really excited uh, to do it. You know, it's very nice uh, to be asked to play it. Um, as far as the other acts, uh, I haven't I haven't worked with anyone else um, who's playing, but I, I do know um, I do know Jeremy uh, Albino and and uh, you know some of the guys that that play with him. Um, so that would be nice, you know, it'd be nice to uh, be on the bill with him and, and uh, see him again. Uh, it's been a little while. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to playing, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just nice, you know, hopefully it's, uh, uh, you know, the weather is good as always, you know, you <laughs> want that to be, you want that to be great. Yeah. Um, no, for that, sure. You know, I mean, it's going to be great either way, you know? Yeah, we make do. We make do regardless. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. yeah you have to. You have to yeah. commit. Everyone has to commit. Yeah, especially in Kingston. If we let the rain stop us with the live music, sometimes we'd never get to hear anything. That's right. So... What do we have left if we, if we let the rain stop us? For sure. <laughs> well, that's so awesome to hear about. And just in closing, I was wondering, where can our listeners keep up with you for the latest? Uh, well, I guess... Uh, you know, the tried and true website, jerrylegier.com. Um, there's also uh, a page on the website uh, where you can join uh, the mailing list. I think that's uh, probably the best way to, to stay connected with what's going on. Because, you know, social media, it's there's so much going on. It, you know, I mean, even stuff that I've, I'd really would have liked to have known about kind of falls through the cracks. So I think, you know, joining newsletters, mailing lists are, are a cool way. Um, that's what I would do. You know. Yeah, perfect. Well, that's so good to know. You know, the website, you can head over to that listeners. Jerry Legier and the situation will be playing the Market Square main stage event of the Limestone City Blues Festival on August 26th, along with a bunch of other acts that you can check out. Wristbands for full access are $25, and you can find out more at downtownkingston.ca. And thank you again, Jerry, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. London, Ontario metal outfit Atria visited the Broom Factory this past week in support of Upon a Burning Body, fresh off the release of their new EP, Ground Zero. Here's vocalist Tom Evans from the band to chat about this news on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are here with Tom Emmons, vocalist for metal group Atria, visiting Kingston this week for a much-anticipated gig at the Broom Factory, also featuring Upon a Burning Body, As the Structure Falls, and Exogen. Tom, thanks so much for being here, and welcome to the Kingston Curator. Thanks for having me on the show. Happy to be here. We're really excited to be featuring this group on the program, especially it seems like there's been a lot going on in the past couple weeks and this year for you folks. But to start off, I was wondering, can you talk to us a little bit about who's in this group and how you got together? Maybe give us a background on the band. 
Yeah, so um, we named our band after a bar that may or may not be in Oshawa, where um, we we had a lot of, personally, I had a lot of uh, huge personal growth and experiences. I, uh, you know, met somebody who changed my life at the time, maybe not for the better. Um, and I met the founding guitarist, uh, Tim Ross, and we we played our first show we've you know like all that stuff together and then uh when we wanted to think of a name it was like also that name of the place it's like a part of your heart right so i was just like okay well so like it has ring to it like it works it's actually pronounced atria so we've just been running around teaching people how to say a word wrong for a long time oh my gosh okay well (laughs) atria Atria. we got it you know so but i was i'm always like atria whatever i don't care i like it you know like i mean they didn't they don't spell corn with a k so whatever let's have a little bit of artistic freedom right yeah oh yeah Uh, okay so it's uh me tim and then there's jared sterling jake fortney and brody king and yeah we've we we've grown quite a bit since the last one uh, the last one was New World Nightmare. Very proud of that as well. And the same producer, John Howard, at Woodward Studios in Hamilton. Great guy, great producer. Uh, I definitely would encourage upcoming artists to check him out. Um, if, if you ever wanted to work with somebody who's, you know, uh, very, very easy to work with and very relaxed, but also like, you know the type of thing where it's just like did you like that take okay well i already deleted it so let's figure this one out right bud you know like stuff like that right yeah (laughs) Um, yeah so he killed it as usual and um it took us maybe i don't know a couple months just like over the weekends right like we all work we're not uh obviously we're not rock stars but like um you know, we're, we're happy to be able to be on shows like tonight, which is pretty crazy. I mean, I like I listened to Upon a Burning Body, like, what was it, 2013 or something like that? And that single Sin City came out and it was just like on repeat on my car, like in my car, like as I'm driving around to different gigs and stuff. So it's going to be pretty surreal to get to do what we're doing tonight at the Broom Factory in Kingston. Yeah, that sounds so exciting. I was actually going to ask you, like, this is a pretty, uh, like, there's a lot of groups coming in, which must be a lot of fun. Have you worked with these bands before? No, no, I haven't. So uh, I have worked with the promoter before. So it's Jaden Cote. um, The production company is called Grit and Grind. And he really is grinding and doing as much as he possibly can. So I mean, we've we've been pretty lucky to have a friend and colleague like that, um, and he's. I've already heard about like the pre-sales for tonight, so it's it's going well. It's going to be a packed house, and I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. Like I just pulled over off the side of the four hundred one to be able to do this interview today, and I've just been on cloud nine all day. No, but that's so fantastic to hear that the energy is so high going into this show, especially since the Broom Factory is a venue in Kingston that a lot of folks are really beginning to rally behind and get all sorts of different acts coming in and out. And now that you have this new music out that you were talking about, this new EP, which I believe is entitled Ground Zero, would you say that touring and being able to bring these songs to an audience is a big part of the creative process for you as a group? Oh, it's insane. I mean, like, even, and that's the thing, a lot of people, and it's it's fine if they do, like, whatever, everyone has their own process, but we really jam it out before we make the record, so that um, even, again, with John, our producer, he'll turn to me and he's just like, okay, can you do that live? And I have to be able to do it, and he'll make me do it, like, ten times, like, yeah. before before he's like okay i'll hit record because sometimes there's like a big high note or whatever and he's just like well what if you're like winded on tour like what happens if you're sick or what you know what i mean like things like that um he really is and even 
I'll try and I'll tr- sometimes we call it the choir of Tom and it's like because we want to go like studio crazy and have all these harmonies and everything and he's just like okay how many people sing in the band I'm like me any backups no okay well then you get two and I buried the second you know sometimes there's a third and it's super buried like it needs to sound it like we need it to sound the way that it does on the record live or what are you out there doing you know and we don't we don't want backing tracks the only backing tracks we have are obviously like the orchestra and like the synth and like there's like whispering between songs and the creepy stuff that you hear on the ep but you're never gonna get like you know this amazing high note and then i'm singing the low one and nobody else is doing anything like this isn't karaoke right this isn't yeah No, but I think it's so awesome to think about the practicality of being a touring group and being able to, with your voice being an instrument, being able to take care of it and assess what you actually want to to put out there when you tour. That's a really cool insight. Thanks for sharing that with us. And I was just going to ask a little bit more about this new EP. Can you help us kind of meet the album? You said it's different from your previous releases. And can you talk to us about what maybe what makes it different? What excites you about it? I mean, uh, the subject matter has always been pretty strong. I think even in New World Nightmare. But with this one, it's, um, I mean, obviously we were all kind of um, like shows were shut down and we were all in our homes for the last couple of years. So it was like just brewing, you know? Yeah. Um, it was like, how angry and crazy could we possibly make something this time? And um, just kind of like having the time to have the whole thing marinate this time. Um, I mean, like ground zero. So ground zero is the moment that you pray to God and you realize that your dreams and hopes will never come true and no one will ever answer. So that's what that actually means. I know it sounds like a double meaning of like, this is like a new start for the band and it is, but that's what it was made about. So like you're listening to the rantings of a crazy person in a basement apartment that's been there for too long, you know? Yeah. Um, the second one, Antiheroes, is about watching all the media and watching people so divided and fighting. But they're all like, a lot of them are just sitting in their basements or like wherever they are and just being like, like watching the whole world crumble and then arguing with each other. But I can see the arguments and I know some of the people, <laughs> I know that you haven't even seen this person or like gave them a hug or talked to them for like a year and a half. Yeah, you, you hate them for that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's insane. And of course, some of the world issues were very, very real. But it was just the division of a human race as we're all sitting there in the silence of our own bubble. And it was, it was insane. So I made antiheroes for that. Body dysmorphia uh, is obviously the third one. Just dysmorphia, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, fairly cut and dry. Um, just a number is about i've been i've been like a factory worker and and just had like you know whatever jobs throughout the years because i can't really commit to that much seeing as i'm i'm gone all the time and trying to do tours and all that so feeling like you're a cog in the wheel you know like just kind of spending that amount of time just feeling like you're not appreciated you're just nothing yeah. And then um, if we want to keep it fun, the last song is, uh, it's more of like an acoustic. It's not really acoustic. It's just clean guitar and piano, but it's the mellow song. And it's a lullaby to my dead unborn child. So it's obviously a fun record, right? Mm. Um, and I can't wait to share it with everyone. The only one that we don't do live yet, I could see us doing it, but like that, the the last one that's like pretty chilled out um and it's just because we're fairly new so i don't want to drop the live energy and be like by the way here's a bummer 
Well, if you guys are still ready to rock out after that, you, like, where do you put that in a set? Yeah, no, I feel that. Yeah. And it's, it, it is really interesting to talk about how different songs can be applied to the, the set list of different gigs and, and how you're feeling in the moment with presenting that to a live audience rather than putting it on the record. I really loved being able to walk through those tracks with you. I feel like it's not always something we get to do is just hear the the play by play of how an album like this kind of comes together. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And just before we kind of close off here, I was wondering, is there anything else you'd like to share that's upcoming for the group? Maybe where our oh. listeners can keep up with you folks? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're we're on all the social platforms. Um, we uh, we went through DistroKid, so you're gonna, you know, you're gonna see the album on any anywhere that you get music. Really, like I mean, if you're Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, like wherever you want, it's you know, we paid the whatever it is a year, so it's it's available to you. Um, we will have a new music video. I don't have the date on that one yet but it's for Ground Zero. It was done with Joe Lyko of Dark Moon Productions. And I've seen, and it was uh, it was done at the studio Light is Art, it's called. And cool. it's, <laughs> I've seen like some of the screen grabs already. And I'm just like, that's like, it, he just lights up. Cause again, I'm wearing like these contacts and everything, right? So like yeah. if he lights up red in front of me, like my eyes are glowing red. Like it's so <sighs> and that's, and so that's cool. before and that's before post production. So like it's um yeah, I would say that music video is gonna be cool. We've got a whole bunch of offers for shows coming up, but I don't really have too much locked up, so I can't announce anything. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so, and is there a social media handle that uh, folks should check out? Um, okay, so we're usually just Atria Official. Yeah. Uh, basically on every site. I just grabbed that years ago. So, because I think there's a couple others, so I just grabbed that because, you know, I'm nice like that. Um, <laughs> uh, the Instagram as well. All right, so thanks again so much for sharing this and taking the time out of show day to chat with us about this EP and everything that's been going on. Thanks so much for joining us and have a great show tonight, Tom. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me on the show and uh, hope everyone has a great night. You too, see ya. That does it for us this week on the Kingston Curator, but remember that you can check out this and all past episodes on our CFRC podcast feed. We'll be back for the season finale of The Curator next Friday at 3 p.m., wrapping up our awesome summer of arts and culture. Thank you so much for listening. That was The Kingston Curator, and this is Lauren Tucker, signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.